Hey there, Scuttle Buddies. This is Rob, host of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. When you grab your sunscreen and your blasters, don't grab just any sunscreen. Grab a bottle of Tuscan Tan. It's the only sunscreen rated to withstand a single reactor blast from the Death Star. And that can certainly come in handy when you're stationed at the Data Vault Archive on Scarif. You're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Target to the base at Scarif. Single reactor ignition. Yes, sir. Hey, you know what? This wouldn't be a Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast without a bottle of beer, so I'll be right back. Yeah. (laughs) What's up, guys? This is David Triana of the Followers of the Force podcast, and you are listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. May the Force be with you, always. Scarif Control, this is TK226. Come in, Scarif Control. You know what? I don't know why there's no answer. I've been sitting here on the comm for how long now? Yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah, it's been quite a while, yes. So, can I give it a try? Hey, you're more than welcome to try. Hey, I've been meaning to ask you how it went with that uh, green friend of yours. Uh, what's her name? Oh, well, uh, that was a while ago, but um, it was it was a difficult evening, you know? Really? I can only imagine. You know, her species is known for... Oh, that explains a lot. How did I miss that? How did you miss that? What? Uh, If you haven't tried the Denarian spin at least once in your life, I don't... You know, it's not that big a deal. TK226, TK388, your comm's been open all this time. Would you guys mind starting the podcast, please? Thanks. Denarian spin. You've tuned in to the fastest-growing Star Wars podcast on this side of Moss Eisley. Grab your sunscreen and your blasters. This is the Scarif Podcast. All right, hashtag Team Scarif. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. We got the entire team here, Team Scarif, uh, once again. We are uh, hitting the airwaves. Uh, hope you grabbed your blasters and your sunscreen because it's going to get hot under the collar here. If you're new to the show, a big thank you for finding us on either iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you find your quality podcasts. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't remind our scuttle butters or scuttle buddies. Which one is it, Brad? We'll get to that in a second. Our scare of scuttlebutt hotline, 773-234-8659. Give us a call. We want to hear what you have to say. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't care what time you call. 773-234-8659. Leave us a message. Let us know what is on your mind. Alex, good to see you. Hey, what's up, bro? How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. We got, uh, like I was saying, we got the entire team here, hashtag Team Scarif, and straight from the other side of the country, especially from where you're at, uh, Mr. Brad is in town. How's it going, Brad? hey oh, it is 100% scuttlebutters. Anybody can say <laughs> scuttlebutters. It is. You know, it's is the way to go. It is scuttlebutters. 
I understand it's a callback, but unfortunately, uh, it, it exists as a promo code for Organically Wonderful. So it's unfortunately it is Scuttlebutty, and uh, that's just the way it is, man. Scuttlebutty's right. fifteen to get fifteen percent off your purchase <laughs> at organicallywonderful.com. I'm Excellent. Here for your segues. Thank you guys. Thank you everybody for being with us. Uh, we're gonna have a really uh, great show. Great topic. Um, you know, we did have one voicemail, which we will get to in a minute, but, uh, Mr. Cam Ray, one of our, uh, wonderful followers and contributors, uh, left a voicemail with a very interesting notion. Um, and again, you know, uh, I'm sure Brad is going to break it down. He, uh, called Obi-Wan a dark side catalyst. And I know before we started the show, we were talking about how, um, you know, it would have been really great to uh, to have Qui Gon survive uh, his ordeal with um, with Darth Maul in Episode One. He's uh, you know now that everything is said and done, the prequel trilogy and some of the books, especially you know the the, the book uh, Brad that you had posted uh, with Claudia Gray. Um, some of those stories are uh, really really interesting, and Qui Gon's history is uh, is a very interesting uh, very interesting history so uh, that is uh, one of the topics we're going to be talking about uh, and the other thing too you know woulda coulda shoulda would Anakin have become a different Jedi uh, if he were trained by Qui-Gon instead of Obi-Wan and uh, what that would have entailed uh, would the story be the same uh, Alex what do you think about all that well I'm sure we're going to get into um, some deeper topics and and uh or not topics but deeper uh, conversations about this topic um but right up front if i'm just going to be honest with my opinion um I'm no we, we don't want that no <laughs> we don't want honesty <laughs> on the scarif podcast were you kidding me um i i think he would be a very different person however i think his path would have more or less ended in the same direction there's there's a lot of events in his life that led him to the path that he ultimately ended up on that I don't think having a different master would have changed. Uh, so um, a different Jedi, yes, maybe a different personality. Maybe some events would have uh, played out differently. However, I think that ultimate fall to the dark side, turning into Darth Vader, um, uh, definitely would have happened. You're fulfilling your destiny, Anakin. Become my apprentice. Learn to use the dark side of the Force. You know, again, woulda, shoulda, coulda. It's, it's one of those things where choices come into play. Uh, fate, if you believe that sort of thing. Uh, Brad, earlier uh, today I was listening to a couple of YouTube clips and uh, stories and, and, and things like that just to kind of prepare uh, for this show. One of the things that I found interesting is the type of Jedi uh, Qui-Gon uh, was... You know, now that we know a little bit more through the stories and even through some of the early episodes of the Clone Wars where, you know, they take that story of uh, Qui-Gon kind of messing around with uh, with the Force and all that stuff and what all of that entails. Brad, what is, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, his history? Uh, what kind of Jedi was he? You know, there are some people that call him a gray Jedi, and I know there's kind of a controversy uh, for that. Alex, I know, I, I know your, your penchant for the, for the term uh, gray Jedi. Brad, what, what do you think of that? What, uh, what's, what's his deal? What, what's up with Qui-Gon? I think a lot of Qui-Gon, or if you want to know about Qui-Gon's character, it's revealed within the first two minutes of the Phantom Menace. 
whereas you know a lot of the Jedi are so concerned with the with the Jedi code, uh, the strict adherence thereto uh, for the Jedi code. You see Obi Wan's you know focused on somewhere else. Uh, Qui Gon says, "Don't focus on your anxiety. Put your you know mind here and now where it belongs." And you have two sides of the force. We talk about the unifying force. We talk about the living force. Many Jedi were concerned with the unifying force, which is kind of the big picture, you know, surrounding and binding and all that, uh, you know, on, on a grand scale. Whereas um, Qui-Gon is more interested in the living force, which is, you know, what connects, you know, it, it, it's in each person and the connection you know, between people. And a lot of his personality does come from uh, his master as well. And we did get uh, one message uh, asking about uh, his master, uh, Raul Alvaros, who was one of the characters in the Claudia Gray book, Master and Apprentice. And uh, his story is followed up in the uh, Dooku uh, book as well by Kevin Scott. Uh, if you think that Qui-Gon is Cavalier, his master, Raul Alvaros, uh, hopefully I'm saying that right, takes to another level beyond that. Um, you know, he's quite open about his, well, he's promiscuous. He doesn't mind uh, the company of the ladies. And uh, he doesn't see that as being uh, contrary to the Jedi code at all. So some of his, or actually a lot of his teachings uh, did carry on to Qui-Gon. So you can kind of see where Qui-Gon's coming from. Um, but if I were to give one word right off the bat, uh, to, to Qui-Gon, it's principled. I don't have all the discussion right now, but Obi-Wan, whereas he has a strict adherence to the Jedi Code, in my opinion, Obi-Wan operates in the gray area way more than Qui-Gon ever did. Uh, Alex mentioned the uh, certain point of view. I've always thought that line was complete BS. It's not entirely untrue, but I think it's mostly BS to, to justify what, what he did. He lied on many occasions. Uh, where he thought he was, you know, doing the best thing. So he did have a, you know, it's strange dichotomy within Obi-Wan, but uh, he operated in the gray a lot, whereas Qui-Gon was a very principled Jedi. Uh, love him or hate him, you know, he had his principles and he stuck to them. And that's why he rubbed a lot of the Jedi wrong and why, uh, you know, he got rejected and uh, from the Jedi Council on numerous occasions and, uh you know, turn down the offer on other occasions as well. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Qui-Gon and uh, his uh, apprentice uh, Obi-Wan at the time, uh, two very different Jedis uh, at the time. And as we see in episode one, you're right, there's a lot of clues in episode one that kind of um, reveal some of the ideologies that Qui-Gon had and some of the conflicts that uh, Master and Apprentice had uh, between the two, there are certain things that, um, you know, Qui-Gon, you know, professed to believe in as far as some of the prophecies and, and Obi-Wan was kind of against some of those things. And even in episode one, you can hear Obi-Wan ask, you know, if you, if you followed the council or, or, or paid attention, you'd be on, you know, you'd be on the Jedi council. So there's different, there, there's definitely some friction that was going on. Uh, and obviously as, as characters or as we, as people, we, we grow, we tend to learn from, 
you know, people that are around us, uh, teachers, instructors, uh, spouses, significant others, etc. Obi-Wan had the same thing. Uh, Qui-Gon was, uh, you know, killed by Darth Maul. And uh, Anakin, um, you know, obviously trained with Obi-Wan. But uh, what kind of Jedi would Anakin have been, you know, if that were different? How do you think Obi-Wan saw his master? Uh, coming up, even uh, from the early times, because it doesn't seem like Obi-Wan really, um, I I guess, quantified that relationship that he had with his master uh, from some of the newer stories even now that we we tend to see that there's still friction between them. How would you describe their relationship? Um, Well, there's there are two very different ideologies going on with uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon um, and they they're not two that really mix very well. I think it was a lot of it was probably more work for those two uh, to be master and apprentice than it would be for uh, maybe another another couple. No, that's not the right word. Another <laughs> another duo. Um, I think Obi-Wan is very much the analytical, show me the rules, give me a, a a book that I can sit and say, okay, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. These are set in stone. This is how you act as a Jedi. This is how you use the force properly. This is how you avoid the dark side. Like he wanted to know every detail about what he could and couldn't do. And he was very, um, he found comfort in that. He found a lot of comfort in knowing, especially in the prequels. I, I think in like episode four towards a new hope era, he may have lost that a little bit as he aged, but very like as, as an apprentice, it's very evident in Claudia Gray's book. And then again, in episode one, two, and argue, arguably three, I think he's very rigid. He's very like by the book and Qui-Gon was uh, like Brad said, a very principled person and principles don't necessarily mean or having strong principles doesn't necessarily mean that you're a rigid person. It just means that you have, you have a line that you won't cross. However, there are things that you will take exception with. And that was Qui-Gon's thing and his fascination with prophecies and other things that other Jedi and the council might see as, as being dangerous to deal with. Qui-Gon wasn't afraid of them. And that's where Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon kind of clashed. And they, they had a, they, they had this tension between them However, they were able to work through it, and we see that they did have a camaraderie and a friendship uh, moving forward in the prequels. You can kind of see that evident uh, in in the characters and in the story. Um, but yeah, they're, they're two very different people and um, two, two very different ideologies that, that were forced to work together. Is it in their nature to make us wait this long? No, I sense an unusual amount of fear for something as trivial as this trade dispute. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've seen glimpses on how the Jedi uh, pick, you know, their Padawans. I think that process may be a little bit flawed. Those two definitely did not belong together, but you could argue that's why they were together. So they could, you know, and you see that throughout the entire book, uh, Master and Apprentice, they have to learn from each other. Uh, Do I necessarily agree with that? I don't know. I think you... That's a hard way to learn things, in my opinion, and, and it does lead to a lot of angst, which we it's it's amplified even more with Anakin and, and Obi Wan and their relationship. But uh, Alex is exactly right. I mean, Obi Wan was a bookworm; he was always in the archives, uh, you know, studying uh, the holocrons. Whereas uh, you have a guy like Qui Gon who puts his faith in a nine-year-old boy who he just met uh, that this kid's going to win a, a pod race that he's never even finished before. And uh, they're going to have enough money to get off uh, 
Tatooine and fly to Coruscant. And, it, and it, you know, he pulled it off. You know, it, it worked. Would Obi-Wan have done that? Probably not. But that's the kind of Jedi that Qui-Gon was. He was willing just to go with his gut. So if you look at, you know, if you look at the personality types, those do not mix as well. Qui-Gon went with his gut feelings. Obi-Wan, he had to he had to see it, feel it, you know, know it to, for him to act on it. I, I believe that Obi-Wan had a great deal of respect for his master. You know, he understood. I think he may be one of the few to understand that Qui-Gon knew way more than he ever let on to the rest of the to the Jedi. He was, he did get a bit obsessed with him, but at the same time, he felt bad about thinking about the possibility that the Force would actually use him uh, as an instrument to uh, understand and act on these prophecies. Uh, I may have gotten off tangent uh, or off topic here a little bit, but, uh, you know, Obi-Wan respected his his master, but he if he could have picked a different master uh, than Qui-Gon, would he have? I, I think so, actually. You've been a good apprentice, Obi-Wan. And you're a much wiser man than I am. I foresee you will become a great Jedi Knight. You know, the prequels um, shows us that, uh, you know, the Jedi Council claims that a dark presence was disconnecting them from the Force. Uh, but some folks have argued that Qui-Gon was uh, more so connected to the Force. And that's one of the reasons that he did not want to join the Jedi Council. Um, and as you said, uh, Brad, uh, he saw it coming. So do you think that in some way, you know, some, I guess, subconscious way that uh, he didn't want to um, disconnect himself from the way that he saw the Force in order for him to be blinded like the rest of the Jedi Council? Or is that something that I'm reading too much into or folks that uh, may have that ideology? Uh, what do you think about that? I think you're absolutely correct. I think he did not want to be on the Jedi Council. He knew the, the I think he almost saw the, I don't want to call it necessary evil, but maybe those are the right words. You see this in some of the books and they talk about a lot in the old EU, but I think the uh, idea is still there where the Jedi Council went wrong was marrying themselves to the Republic as an entity. Um, you know, it's a, for all intents and purposes, it's a religious organization it's a religious group and they tied themselves to the state and they pledged to do whatever the state wanted them to do or needed them to do. And you saw that, you know, it got worse in episode two and culminated in episode three with the downfall of the Republic. And I think Qui-Gon recognized that there should be a, that separation of church and state as we see it. And the Jedi council would not do what was best for uh, the Jedi or for the galaxy as a whole, they would do what they think needed to be done uh, for the Republic. And that was contrary to his personal beliefs. I can't argue with that. I think it's pretty much true. Um, I think I've never really dived this deeply into Qui-Gon and his relationship with the council. I kind of took everything at face value uh, during the prequels with him saying like, he just, he kind of went his own way. He was a, he was a rebel. He was kind of the black sheep. Um, he didn't follow the rules like Obi-Wan had had stated. Like, if you were to just do this, you would be accepted into the Jedi Council. And he's like, I don't want to be one of those nerds. Like, I'm going my own way, you know? Like, I'm paving my own direction. I don't... It's not that he didn't believe in the Council. He just... I feel like he didn't want to get bogged down by by the red tape of, like Brad was mentioning, being involved in the state and being, you know, in cahoots with, uh, with, with Coruscant's, uh, you know, political parties and stuff like that. He... 
he was very much somebody who followed the will of the force and and he was very much connected to that and i think i don't i don't see um i don't see qui-gon being the type of of character who would be happy sitting in a council chamber chamber discussing things for hours on end trying to come up he's like this i i feel like he would be the type of person who would just be completely bored He'd sit there and be like, can we just make a decision already and get this over with? He wanted right. to be out in the field. He wanted to be doing the the real work and, and helping people in the galaxy and, and following the will of the force. So, um, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think um, we, I don't want to say missed out because I understand why uh, he, he had to uh, sacrifice. He, he got sacrificed uh, metaphorically um, in the first movie, but, but I, I, I kind of miss Qui-Gon like doing research for this podcast. I'm like, man, like it would have been really cool to see Qui-Gon through the, uh, at least another movie in the prequels to see where he, that character would have went. Cause he was a really, really cool guy. He's one of the more interesting Jedi that uh, I've read about. And um, I can't wait to start discussing his relationship with Anakin because that's really the meat uh, of this podcast. And that's going to be a ton of fun. <laughs> could, could you imagine those conversations in the Jedi council chambers? If Qui-Gon were there, oh, I my mean, goodness. I don't think the Jedi, I mean, I think deep down the Jedi Council realized they needed him on the council, but they, you know, you see it in Master and Print. They they didn't want it. They they didn't want to admit that they needed Qui-Gon. He would have been the counterbalance to all the stupid BS that they stay there in the Jedi Council. And I, I think uh, the Jedi Council, I'm just going to say, uh, trigger warning, it became an echo chamber. Uh, yeah. for themselves. You know, you, you see an episode actually throughout the entire prequels. It's a giant echo chamber. Uh, dissenting voices are quickly silenced, told to sit down, shut up, and it just becomes an echo chamber and they just automatically, they'll, they'll go along uh, with, uh, you know, Yoda or Mace or anyone uh, that uh, is speaking. And there's no way Qui-Gon would have done that. He'd be like, are you freaking kidding me? You guys want to do what? Jedi Council would have to take control of the Senate in order to secure a peaceful transition. To a dark place, this line of thought will carry us. Great care we must take. And so the prequels, not not only, I mean, with the relation, you know, him being Anakin's master, that would have made Anakin turn out differently. But if he had been on the council, my God, the prequels would have been completely different. I think he will probably would have been outnumbered as far as uh, yep. dissenting opinions inside the inside the council. I think he probably would have been been uh, outvoted, and he. I think at that point he would have left. It, I kind of feel like it might have been similar to Ahsoka. You know, when Ahsoka realized the flaws of the Jedi Council, she's like, "I'm out. You guys are ridiculous. I'm going to go do my own thing." Like, I think if if put into that situation uh, in a scenario similar to that, I think Qui Gon would have done the same thing as Ahsoka. I think he would have just went his own way. You know, there's a, there are a lot of parallels between Ahsoka and Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, especially if they, if Qui-Gon Jinn would have uh, continued with his story and if he survived, I think there are a lot of parallels. But Alex, you had mentioned something very interesting. You talked about sacrifice um, and, you know, sacrificing Qui-Gon and, and this and that. You know, early on in episode one, Qui-Gon mentions... Um, uh, when they were trapped, uh, when the um, the ship was trapped and they ended up having to uh, do the pod race and, and all that stuff, and they found uh, little Anakin and had uh, dinner with him and whatever. Once they found out 
Anakin's midichlorian count and that he was, uh, you know, kind of a high functioning Jedi force user or whatever. Um, you know, he mentioned something about the will of the force. And at that point, uh, it wouldn't be a stretch to really, uh, you know, place, I guess, uh, some sort of complacency in, in Qui-Gon as far as what the will of the force wanted him to do. And I'm wondering, too, if uh, during the meditation right before uh, he um, battles uh, Darth Maul, if he was accepting of the fact of, of, of the death that he was about to face as far as, you know, maybe um, taking Anakin under Obi-Wan's wing and uh, bringing, him up, bringing him up to, to train him. Do you guys think that, you know, it seems like Qui-Gon um, felt or was connected somehow a little bit more than the rest of the Jedi, do you think? that perhaps he accepted uh, the will of the Force as something concrete and all the events that were happening to him up to that point, even before his death, were uh, part of that will? Uh, I'm going to, Brad, if you don't mind, I'm going to, uh, I can't use my words tonight. I'm going to uh, retort to that a little bit. I, I don't retort, agree. baby, retort. retort. <laughs> what a funny word. I do agree that he had a... Um, a better connection with the force than most other Jedis. Uh, episode one, they, they were probably a little clouded, but I don't think Palpatine was, was at his height at that point. So I don't think they were unable to use the force as they described in, in revenge of the Sith. Um, I think they were still probably pretty connected, but I do agree that Obi, or I'm sorry, that uh, Qui-Gon did have a, a better connection force, but I think, I don't think it goes to the point where he knew he was going to die. I, I don't believe that. I think he was he was just prepared for that possibility. I think he was meditating, trying to gain his strength, kind you know, drawing power from the force during that scene uh, with the laser doorways in, in episode one. Um, but I, I I think that he was able to accept that fate if it were to occur. But he I don't think it was something that he was like, well now's my time, so I'm just going to go into this um, knowing that I'm going to die. I don't believe that actually happened. <laughs> Yeah, I think that time where he's meditating, I, I've always put that on. He's just trying to center himself. Uh, he, he's he got worked up in, in the uh, hangar there because uh, this was their second encounter with Maul. Uh, he he had been worked up a little bit. I think he was just trying to center himself at that point, um, maybe seeking some resolve. Um, the the will of the force, quote unquote. You know, we could probably have multiple shows just on that topic alone. Uh, just same as in, in our universe saying this is God's will and trying to figure out <laughs> what does that mean? Qui-Gon struggles with the will of the force. And whereas, you know, Master and Apprentice had not yet been written at this point, uh, I think it tracks very closely with his character. And uh, I think Qui-Gon did see the writing on the wall uh, with all these prophecies and he put, you know, he connected all the dots and he saw that it had to be Anakin. As we talk about him being the possibility of him being Anakin's uh, teacher instead, you could see there is a very instant connection between Qui-Gon and Anakin. 
And uh, he had a way of talking to Anakin, even when he's trying to explain the, you know, the concept of midi-chlorians to Anakin. Um, he was able to connect very well uh, with the young child, whereas Obi-Wan was never able to do that. Um, so um, I, I think, I don't think Qui-Gon let the will of the force, again, quote unquote, uh, guide his actions too much. I think he just tried to, he, he did try to follow the signs where they led, if that makes sense. I'm going to retort to Alex's retort <laughs> and uh, mention, uh, you said that Palpatine was not at his height, and uh, I will disagree with, with that notion because I think Palpatine, uh, I think Papa Palps uh, reached his height when he killed his master. Um, at that point, he became... Um, someone who was powerful, powerful enough to 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 kill that master, to learn everything that Plagueis uh, uh, taught him. Don't 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 look at me like that. Don't oh, look I'm looking like at that. you like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I've said this in previous podcasts. I think Palpatine is precise. He's conniving. He uh, he's uh, very thoughtful, and the precision unto which he crafted and laid the chess pieces out to form his uh, galactic empire is uh, something that is worthy of, of a great uh, you know, adversary in, in, in the form of, of Emperor Palpatine, uh, Sheev Palpatine. I think, um, I think he was at his height. This scheme of yours has failed, Lord Sidious. The blockade is finished. We dare not go against the Jedi. I don't want this stunted slime in my sight again. This turn of events is unfortunate. We must accelerate our plans. Begin landing your troops. My lord, is that legal? I will make it legal. Another thing that's interesting that if Maul hadn't killed Qui-Gon, would he have learned how to reach that other level um, in the force to become a force ghost, because from what I learned and from what I was researching, wasn't like I guess in modern times, wasn't he the first Jedi to, I guess, join with the living force and and retain his his essence while you know after his death? Even Yoda was like, "What the hell? Am I dreaming this? Is that really you?" Yoda. Who are you? My imagination, it must be. No. It is I, Qui-Gon Jinn. That cannot be. Dead you are. No. I am part of the living force, Yoda. Yeah, he was the first Jedi to ever accomplish that. Um ability of of leaving his physical form but then regaining that identity once he has become one with the force and uh he was able to teach yoda and Kawhi and uh, obi-wan that um so that kind of i mean that's a really good point ro that shows just how connected to the force he was where he had the ability to uh to come back after he had you know become one with the universe uh that's a that's a really good point i didn't even think about that and Brad, I, I know Brad just unmuted his mic, so he's got something to say. Let's go, Brad. <laughs> well, yeah, that one scene in um, Revenge of the Sith, uh, right before the, the babies are born, where Yoda is meditating, that was Yoda talking to Qui-Gon. 
in the force. Uh, there's actually a good deleted scene where you can actually hear Qui-Gon's voice. And of course you hear Qui-Gon's voice in uh, episode two, uh, when mm-hmm. Anakin is slaughtering uh, the Tusken Raiders, you hear Qui-Gon shouting, no, you know, Anakin, no. Um, so, you know, he was, he was a, a force entity at that point as well. Um, so yeah, he definitely did. And uh, at least they, they fleshed that story out a little bit more in the, in that last season of Clone Wars, uh, where Yoda went on his little, uh, expedition to learn more about himself, uh, the lost season or whatever they call that. Uh, really good storyline there. But yeah, that that was a very deep connection that he had with the Force. Losing my mind, I am not. No, my friend, no. Why have you brought me here? Follow the light. The light will be your guide. Yeah, if, uh, if you guys are listening and don't know uh, or haven't seen that last episode of The Clone Wars or the last season of The Clone Wars, you know, as it pertains to our discussion today, it's uh, required viewing. Uh, I think there's a lot of really great tidbits there. And uh, Mr. Liam Neeson makes a, uh, a return to the to the character of Qui-Gon in there, so that uh, it's a really great treat. Such darkness. Such evil. When will this happen? It is happening right now. It has always been happening. With each day the Clone War wages, evil is growing in its power. There is a question that we got via Twitter via uh, from the Hollow Chronicles podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Hollow Chronicles. And they asked, was Dooku's saber green before he went Sith? He and Qui-Gon are very similar in my book. We mentioned Dooku earlier, uh, and we talked about Dooku in our last episode as well, where he laid it out on the table for Obi-Wan, talking about how Sidious was the mastermind behind everything. And he told Obi-Wan that he wished his master were still here because he knows Qui-Gon would have joined him. I I wrote an article a long time ago where I made the – claim that I don't believe that Dooku was ever actually a Sith. You know, I could be way off base and I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on this, but I think of course, you know, everybody that falls to the dark side, it seems like they do it for the best of intentions. You know, the, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, so to speak. Um, But I don't think he was actually Sith. I think he was actually doing what he had to do to try to defeat Sidious because he was very, uh, you know, he was very much like Qui-Gon where he saw the writing on the wall. Uh, I don't think he was a true Sith. Um, if you look at the current lore, I guess, yeah, his, he had to make a crystal bleed red for it to turn red. Um, so I would say yes to that. What do you guys think about Dooku's words? Do you think Qui-Gon would have followed Dooku? You know, we, we said just a few minutes ago that we think, you know, if they had these conversations in the, in the council chambers that uh, Qui-Gon would have walked out. And that's basically what Dooku did as well. It's what Ahsoka did when she was, you know, railroaded by the by the council. Uh, it's what Dooku did. He was part of the Lost uh, Twenty, I believe they were called. He walked out on the on on the Jedi. Do you think that Qui Gon would have actually followed Dooku? I'm not saying necessarily to the dark side, but do you think he would have left the council, you know, or left the Jedi Order? I, you know, uh, the back up real fast because I wanted to. Is that uh, is that part of canon now? The whole uh, bleeding of the crystals and all that. 
Yes, yeah. the uh, bleeding of the crystals uh, happened in the uh, Vader uh, comic books, uh, so that is uh, 100% canon now. I don't think Qui-Gon would have turned to the dark side, and I do I do think that Dooku was a full-fledged Sith Lord uh, because he was dubbed Darth Tyrannus. You don't get dubbed Darth without being a Sith row. <laughs> um yeah, I, I think he was absolutely a Sith Lord, and uh, I think he fell to the dark side. I, I don't know what his intentions were. I'm not real read up. I didn't read uh, Dooku's book yet, um, so I'm not sure what that might have revealed about his character. Um, but I found I found that his discussion with Obi-Wan Kenobi in Episode 2 um, on Geonosis, I, I find that to be very two-faced on his his part. He's talking you know, but about. Du- yeah, but Dooku was Dooku, and Brad and I have talked this, about this before. Dooku was basically telling Obi Wan all the truth. What if I told you that the Republic was now under the control of the Dark Lord of the Sith? No, that's not possible. The Jedi would be aware of it. The dark side of the Force has clouded their vision, my friend. Hundreds of senators are now under the influence of a Sith Lord called. Darth Sidious. I don't believe you. The Viceroy of the Trade Federation was once in league with this Darth Sidious. But he was betrayed ten years ago by the Dark Lord. He came to me for help. He told me everything. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. He was, but he wasn't against uh, um, Palpatine. He wasn't going. He was working with him. It wasn't like all oh, the the you know the Jedi are are blind to the fact that the the Coruscant is run by a Sith Lord, and I have to be the one. I'm going to leave the Council behind and take on this role. No, he was like, no, I'm on his team now. So he, he I, that conversation was very two faced. It kind of it felt a little slighted towards Obi Wan, where like, yes, I'm telling him the truth. He's not going to believe me. I'm trying to get him. I'm tr- I'm revealing something to him with the intention of either he's going to realize it, and maybe I can then turn him to our side, and he become becomes an ally, or I'm just going to kill him anyway. So I might as well just tell him the truth. Uh, I never got the impression that he was like had good intentions when joining teams with Palpatine. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Palpatine's a bad guy. Jedi are good guys. <laughs> black and white. Black and white. Black and white. Black and white. Yeah. So, uh, what about the notion of uh, you know during that discussion too? There was a lot of re- uh, things that were revealed too from Dooku's point of view, where um, you know he, there's almost an admiration for Qui Gon. Do you think, uh, or do you guys think that that there was uh, kind of an animation from Dooku that? You know, maybe if I would have talked to to Qui Gon about what I feel is right, do you think that he may have joined Dooku in this kind of Jedi revolution? Because it does seem like, you know, there was a faction of the Jedi that just kind of like split off from the Jedi Council be- for whatever reason, Palpatine influence or or whatever difference of ideology. Like with Qui Gon, do you do you did you kind of catch that in that conversation? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of the Jedi were uh, starting to realize that something just wasn't right with the order, with the way things were being run. 
the direction that the Jedi Order and the Council were going as a whole. And if you, um, you know, a lot of the recent or the comic books over the last, you know, three years or whatever, there was more than what was just revealed in the movie. There was a lot of Jedi that took a, uh, uh, I can't remember the uh, what they call it, but it was basically a vow of peace that they would not fight in any wars uh, for the Republic or for any other reason. Qui-Gon kind of got out of touch with Dooku. They kind of, you know, went their separate ways as, um, you know, Qui-Gon became a Jedi Knight and got his own Padawan. He hadn't heard from Dooku in a while. I think if they had been more in touch with each other, I think Dooku definitely could have swayed uh, Qui-Gon into leaving the Order at some point. Again, uh, not necessarily to join the dark side, but I think, you know, I think Qui-Gon, had he lived through episode one, would have eventually left the Order. I don't want to admit that Qui-Gon would be somebody who would turn to the dark side. However, that is always something that is a possibility. Uh, I feel like he would have followed more along the lines of Ahsoka's of just following the force. And, you know, I, I think we talked about this before, but I, I, I feel like the dark side of the force is an abuse of that power, not something that has to exist. So I don't necessarily think that um, turning to the dark side would have been something that he would have naturally done. Uh, if he would have been coerced by Dooku, that would really depend on their relationship and how strong it was. Um, I think he would have seen the flaw in what Dooku was doing and probably um, disagreed on that. Uh, however, I do think that it would have been, he would have disagreed with both sides. He would have been like, the Jedi are obviously flawed. They're doing something wrong I don't agree with. They're going against what the Force is telling me. And obviously the Sith are going against what the Force wants them to do. So there has to be somebody in between. And Ahsoka filled that gap um, before episode three. I think I think if it wasn't Ahsoka, it would have been Qui-Gon. I've encountered a virgence in the Force. A virgence, you say? Located around a person? A boy. The cells have the highest concentration of midichlorians I have seen in a life form. It is possible he was conceived by the midichlorians. You know, Qui-Gon does something very interesting in the prequels that would uh, lend me to believe that uh, perhaps he would not have been as tempted, say, as uh, other Jedis to kind of fall to the dark side, you know, through his meditation, through what I perceive as his clearer thinking, his connection to the Force. Um, even those things, I feel... Like, uh, he probably would not have fallen to the temptation of the dark side, you know, because of his connection and because of how he th uh, perceived things. It, would that be evident to, to, to you guys? Now, a real fun what-if scenario. We'll talk, we might we make another podcast about this, but what if Dooku had already left, Qui-Gon left with him or after him, would those two have joined up to try to stop Palpatine? Would, would Qui-Gon would have been enough to keep Dooku from falling to the dark side? And would they have known that the Jedi weren't doing what they were supposed to do? So they put it upon themselves to stop Palpatine. That would have been, that's a cool, I don't know. I think that's kind of a cool story. Yeah, it is, it, it is cool. And I think, I think there would have, there still would have been a battle. You know, obviously you had the Jedi council against Dooku. Um, if that were to happen, I think the Jedi council would still be against Dooku, but they would also be against uh, Qui-Gon because they were joined they, they were um, joining forces um, I think there still would have been a cloud of darkness over the Jedi Council uh, that would allow them to or, or not allow them to really see what's going on 
as long as Palpatine was alive and and um, able to influence, you know, that dark side um, notion of blinding the Jedi, I think uh, whoever was on that other side, it was going to basically come to 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 a head at some point, and obviously that was the Clone Wars. You should have listened to the Ark Trooper from the beginning, Captain. <laughs> I was using you. You see, with uh, in the Clone Wars cartoon, I think it was Krell was the Jedi Master's name that turned to the dark side um, and basically was willing to slaughter his entire, uh, you know, platoon of of or his whole brigade of clones because uh, he went to the dark side. I don't think Qui Gon would have put himself in those situations. Uh, to to let that happen, I think he would have distanced himself enough physically and uh, psychologically. So he wouldn't. I don't think he would have turned to the dark side. He, I think he would have learned as much as he could from Dooku um, about Sidious, and I think he would have. I think he would have drawn the line with Dooku. You know, I, I can't go where you're going, and I think that would have definitely resulted in you know them having a uh, a duel and. Who's to say who would have won that that duel? I think it would have been amazing to see, though. Yeah, but that I, I sounds awesome. Yeah, I don't think Qui-Gon would have... I don't think he would have fallen to the dark side. I need a midichlorian count. The reading is off the chart. Over 20,000. Even Master Yoda doesn't have a midichlorian count that high. No Jedi has. What does that mean? I'm not sure. Let's talk about Anakin and Qui-Gon. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about passion. After the death of uh, Qui-Gon, you got Obi-Wan um, really stepping up and taking over the teaching with Anakin. Alex, what uh, what kind? You know, we 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 see a lot of the relationship between uh, between Anakin and Obi-Wan, especially in the Clone Wars. We didn't get to see a lot of that during the prequels, but, uh, you know, luckily we do have uh, the show The Clone Wars to kind of, you know, flesh that out a little bit. Is it any different than any relationship between Anakin and Qui-Gon if, if their relationship, uh, teacher and uh, student, were able to be fleshed out? Do you think that would have been – is it different? Oh, it's it's night and day. I mean, yeah. we talked about the different ideologies between those two people um, a minute ago. So to have one teacher who is very uh, rigid and by the book and wants you to follow these sets of rules versus another teacher who's a little bit more liberal with the rules and, and goes by principles and kind of lets you grow in whatever direction you may go in, I think... I th- honestly, I mean, it's mentioned in Claudia Gray's book, and I think Brad mentioned it earlier too, is that um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan were a mixed match. They they didn't really go together. I think it would have been the opposite. I think Anakin would have suited Qui-Gon's uh, teaching style very well. He was, a, he was a boy that was raised on rules as a slave. Here's what you do. Here's what you can't do. You always do what you're told. You always follow all these rules by the book. I mean, that was his year. That was his life growing up. That's the years that he was molded by. And then to be given that through Obi-Wan, more rules, more restrictions. The Jedi code is too restrictive. They're holding me back. I mean, this is all mentioned in the prequels. Instead, to have somebody like Obi or to like Qui-Gon, where it's it's more like you do what you feel is right. You 
take on, you know, these principled ideas and you kind of go your own direction just because the rules state this doesn't mean that necessarily means that that that's the right thing to do. If you feel like something else is right, do that. (laughs) Or if it's in line with the, with the, what the force is telling you to do. So I think he would have been two completely different, uh, teaching styles. Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hi. Yeah, Brad, in your notes, you've got uh, that quote uh, perfectly spelled out. Anakin once said that Obi-Wan was holding him back. Brad, do you think that's true? And and if so, I mean, would Qui-Gon have uh, held him back? Well, first, I think we need to ask the question, was Obi-Wan even ready to be a teacher? You know, and I think the short answer to that is no. He he had been knighted for for five minutes. And then, you know, I mean, yes, he asked for it. He asked for to have Anakin as his apprentice, you know, because he said he told his master he would, but was that the best decision to, you know, to let that happen? No. You know, and as far as the, the Jedi code goes, uh, there's a great quote from uh, Qui-Gon. It was from the master and apprentice book. Qui-Gon said, I'm coming to believe that we must all interpret the code for ourselves or it ceases to be a living pact and becomes nothing but a prison cell. I think he nails it with that. I mean, so, you know, the, the Jedi got so blinded by this um, that they it's the letter of the law or the intent of the law or the spirit of the law. I think they were all trying to follow the letter of the law, but they were all missing the spirit uh, of the law. And Qui-Gon would have instilled that in Anakin, whereas, you know, Obi-Wan, he was always in that way. You know, Alex said it early on, you know, he was, you know, he strict adherence to it. He, he studied it. You know, brilliant student. Uh, actually, he had to work hard. He wasn't always the best Jedi. He had to actually study hard. Um, but he did do that. And, you know, he learned it and he thought you had to follow it a certain way. Qui-Gon would have let Anakin interpret the the Force and the, the Jedi Code uh, in a way that best suited him. Obviously, I think it would have turned out 100% differently. And I think for the better if uh, Qui-Gon had lived and become his master. I have a bad feeling about this. I don't sense anything. It's not about the mission, Master. It's something elsewhere. Elusive. Don't center on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. But Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. But not at the expense of the moment. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. Yes, Master. Getting back to Alex's comment, you talked about uh, Anakin, uh, you know, being a slave and he's got all these rules. Um, Obi-Wan had his set of rules, too. Do you guys think that uh, his inexperience in Obi-Wan, did, do you guys think that Obi-Wan's restrictions contributed to Anakin's fall? Contributed? Yes. Complete blame? No. No, of course not. But, you know, there is uh, some argument that... Uh, you know, like you were saying, I mean, the rules, rules all the way from the beginning, all the way to now. I mean, there was uh, obviously yeah. uh, situations where, you know, Anakin wanted to do things a certain way. Um, was uh, His hands were tied for whatever reason. Uh, the uh, dogma of, of the Jedi Council, the rules that he had to kind of, uh, you know, follow. Obviously, everything that he felt with Padme, uh, not... Uh, 
being able to fall in love or maybe misinterpreting that uh, set of rules. But uh, we, you know, we all know that he loved Padme. They had kids together, and that had to be a secret. So, uh, yeah, did it contribute to the fall of Anakin? We have an incoming transmission from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Hey there, Red Leader, checking in. This is Cam Ray, Palpa Walker. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys some thoughts on Qui-Gon training Anakin. Um, well, while, uh, in my opinion, while Anakin's turn to the dark side was in most part due to Sidious's manipulation, I feel if Qui-Gon had trained him from early on, Palpatine's great interest in Anakin may have been more quickly perceived by Qui-Gon than Obi-Wan, and perhaps the Jedi could have stepped in faster. Um, I just finished reading Master and Apprentice, which I love, and so some of these thoughts are kind of on the tip of my mind. Uh, Qui-Gon, I feel, you know, he was very into the prophecies as well as kind of followed his own compass while staying in tune with the light side. And he also stayed very aware of not letting his interest turn into an obsession. Um, Obi-Wan was very much a rule follower and kind of butted heads quite a bit with the more free-flowing hippiness of Qui-Gon, uh, just as he and Anakin butted heads. Now, although his headbutting seems to be a common thread between most teachers and students, I think Obi-Wan did take on a Padawan too early, in my opinion. Um, Qui-Gon, I think, would have really focused on Anakin being the one to bring balance and would have connected better with Anakin's more unorthodox ways of handling situations than Obi-Wan did. Uh, this may have provided a better foundation for Anakin, both with Qui-Gon's personality as well as with his many more years of experience. Uh, and then maybe Obi-Wan could have taken on Ahsoka as his Padawan, but then would she have turned to the dark side? Uh, okay, well, anyway, that's a different discussion for a different day. Plus, now I'm making Obi-Wan the dark side catalyst. I promise. I like old Ben. Anyways, guys, love the show. Looking forward to the Red 5 Network um, and all those cryptic messages. Those are my thoughts for now. Uh, love the show. Have a great weekend. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, Star Wars fans and friends of the podcast, don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the Scuttlebutt. All right, Scuttle Buddies, in today's Star Wars news for Thursday, April 30th, EA has released the final update for Battlefront 2, including new character skins and the highly anticipated Rogue One planet, Scarif. How fitting. And if you're enjoying the game from now on, you gotta say that's the Scuttlebutt when your system comes on. For more Star Wars news, visit farfarawaynews.com. Check out the newly revamped website and check back often, because there's always news from a galaxy far, far away. The Scarif Scuttlebutt, a proud affiliate of farfarawaynews.com. Cam, Cam left us that voicemail uh, calling, it, uh, calling Obi-Wan the dark side catalyst. Uh, I'm starting to get, you know, as I, I read that over and over, I'm starting to get more on, on board with that. You know, it's it's hard. You can't put it on. The, the path isn't isn't one thing. Uh, the path is multiple events, you know, swaying you in a certain direction. So you right. can't call it one thing or, you know, one event or one person. 
Um, but I tell you what, he, he didn't help this situation. Yeah. Especially knowing what we know now about his, his relationship with, uh, with, uh, uh, Satine, uh, sure. on, on Mandalore, uh, completely hypocritical. Um, and how he, he saw Anakin's relationship with Padme. Um, you know, I was at uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta uh, a couple it was, it was last year or the year before, and uh, one lady got up and she she started screaming about how Obi Wan was the worst character in the prequels, <laughs> and uh, I, I you know I was laughing my ass off the whole the whole room was gasping, uh, but she was she was on a rant and I was loving every single I, I didn't believe everything she said. Um, but you know, she, she's the, she put like at least 99% of the blame of Anakin's fall on Obi-Wan. And, uh, I'm not saying I agree, but I'm saying I could see how you could see that, um, his teaching, his method of teaching didn't, you know, he was hypocritical or he was critical of, uh, Anakin, you know, at the beginning of attack of the clones talking about how his, he should study his lightsaber skills and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, when they're flying around Coruscant, um, I, I don't think Qui-Gon would have done that. I think Qui-Gon would have challenged Anakin the entire time and pushing him to the next level. I don't think Obi-Wan believed the prophecy. I don't think Obi-Wan believed that Anakin was actually the chosen one. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? I don't presume to. But you do. Revealed your opinion is. I request the boy be tested, Master. Oh? Trained as a Jedi, you request for him, hmm? Finding him was the will of the Force. I have no doubt of that. I, I think he wanted to believe. I, th I think uh, Qui-Gon, obviously, they, they talked about the prophecy. I think he wanted to believe. Um, I, I do think that... Um, that he struggled with the notion of the prophecy, even in the book, um, you know, there's a point where he's arguing with Qui-Gon about, uh, you know, the prophecy, and he seems like he was a little, um, I guess, you know, uh, kind of a non-believer um asking Qui-Gon why he believes in in old superstition and old prophecies. Yeah, thank you very much Cam Ray, one of our favorite followers for that message, that voicemail regarding our topic tonight. Uh interesting stuff, man. Um you know, it, it seems we we had mentioned it in our show notes. We uh were talking about how Obi-Wan may not have been ready to be a teacher. Um, at this point, uh, we talked a little bit about how uh, that, uh, I guess, you know, inexperience kind of contributed to the fall of Anakin. And yes, Brad, we can't pinpoint it all on one thing. There's many factors there. But uh, Alex, you had something to say regarding Obi-Wan. Um, why don't you take it away? I am going to defend the hell out of one of the greatest Jedi ever known. There's no, no, you don't get to just slap all the blame on Obi-Wan Kenobi because he was a rule follower and a bookworm. That's you know, you, you are right now, you are Shannon's uh, hero. This is not how this is going to go down, <laughs> not without a peep from me. Hello there, Anakin from the very beginning was selfish, he was raised, he was raised with uh, with these entitled, not in, I don't want to say he's entitled, he ra was raised as a slave, but he was raised 
with uh, he already had issues. He was fighting with uh, with one of the kids on Tatooine. Um, he had abandonment issues with his mother. He was he wanted to be with her for two, you know he wanted to go back to her constantly. He had these attachment issues. He had all these all these underlying causes that made him who he was <clears throat> who he was growing up. He had uh, he was a selfish guy when it came to Anakin. He was always jealous. That was shown in the Clone Wars and in the prequels. Uh, he he had these issues with just wanting to hang on to these things. Now, whether that was anybody else's fault or whether the huts, you could blame the huts for for raising him as a slave and taking everything away from him. He had very little possessions when he was younger, and as he grew, he he became he cut he would covet things, and he was power hungry to be and to boot, you know. And again, that goes back to him being a slave where he had no power over himself or over his life until a certain age. And then he's power hungry. He's like, I'm not powerful enough. I, I could be the greatest Jedi ever. I could be more powerful than anybody. He was possessive. He was selfish. He was power hungry. And he was manipulated by, you know, who the catalyst for the dark side was? Freaking Palpatine. Senator Palpatine, old Sidious himself, the puppeteer behind the curtains. He was the catalyst. He was the one who was pushing Anakin in the direction which he was already inclined in going. Obi-Wan Kenobi, although has had his flaws, he was very much straight and narrow. He may not have been able to bend and flex to the needs of Anakin in the in the in the proper way at times. But I don't think Qui-Gon, even though he would have been a better teacher for Anakin's uh, Anakin's style of, of learning and, and his ability to kind of be flexible and follow the force, Anakin was set on a path and he had all the, the cards stacked against him the events in his life that led him to the dark side, his mother's death, that would not have changed because of Qui-Gon being his master. Uh, Ahsoka eventually leaving the Jedi Order, that I don't think that would have changed uh, because Qui-Gon was his master. So all these things lining up uh, to, to lead him to the dark side, Palpatine's presence still would have been there. The council's... Um, him arguing with the council and feeling betrayed and feeling lied to that all still would have happened. If, if the line of events would have happened the way we see them in, uh, in the movies, Anakin would have turned. So that's my defense. I don't think it's Obi-Wan's fault. Uh, I, I will, I will give you that. He probably didn't help the situation, but I think the line of events is pretty clear that Anakin had his own issues um, that led him down that path. And, and Palpatine took full advantage of that. A powerful Sith. Become. Henceforth, you shall be known as Darth Vader. Thank you, my master. Right. The prosecution would like to speak now. Uh, so, to call Anakin, and, and I'm I will be the last one to, to, to argue with you that Anakin had his own issues, his own personality issues. But to call him selfish because he missed his mother, let's think about this kid's first interaction. Okay, so his first interaction was with Qui-Gon, and he loved it. His second interaction with the Jedi was with the Jedi Council. Somebody he probably only just imagined, you know, you know and dreamt of, and... You know, he dreamt that he became a Jedi and freed all the slaves. So this kid meets the Jedi Council for the first time, and they're complete assholes to him. <laughs> Yoda, 
Mace and the rest of them were complete assholes to him. Now, Jake Lloyd's not the best actor out there, but he sold this scene. He's like, you know, we see through. He's like, I, yeah, I miss my mother. Will I ever see you again? What does it hurt to tell you? I hope so. Yes. I guess. Then we'll see each other again. Guess what? Qui-Gon, knowing the rules of attachment for the Jedi, tried to free his mother as well. And he tr- he want- Qui-Gon wanted to bring Shmi to Coruscant with him. So he would have been trained as a Jedi. What, 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 he, he tried. He tried. He made the bet with. Tried with, once. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he, he, he made the bet with, with Watto. He tried, to, he, you know, you know, chance cube and all that kind of stuff. But if he had been able to, I 100% think he would have taken Shmi with them so she could have been nearby because most Jedi are taking from their mother's arms as a baby. So they have no attachment. He's had nine years with his mother, and it's just the two of them. The two of them, that's all they got, right? And Qui-Gon recognizes to go straight from that to no attachment whatsoever. Qui-Gon recognizes, I believe, that that's going to cause issues. If, if you're Michael Jordan's coach or if you're LeBron James's coach or Tom Brady's coach, do you hold them back to be on the same level as the rest of the team or the rest of the league? Or do you embrace how naturally talented and gifted they are? And do you push them towards that? Personally, I think you push them towards that. Um, and we, we, you talk about Palpatine, and I'm not going to argue, yes, Palpatine masterminded the whole thing. But look how Obi-Wan played into that chess match perfectly. You know, the whole spying on Palpatine. We talked about the conversations that Qui-Gon would have had with the Jedi Council. I'm not ready to say that. I, I, I won't say that Obi-Wan is the, the dark side catalyst for Anakin. Um, but I think he might get more credit for Anakin's fall than what Alex might be giving him. And uh, as you were speaking, we did get a tweet just now, a very interesting tweet again uh, from Cam Ray, and I'll read it to you guys. Did the Force use Sidious as a catalyst to purge the Jedi who had drifted from the pure peacekeepers that they were, which in turn purged the Sith, resulting in a fresh start with the Force sensitives with a hope for bringing true peace without the dogma? That's deep. I, I think I, I think I know what Alice is going to say on this one, and I think I'm actually on this one probably going to 100% agree with Alex on this one. I, let, let me see if I can guess on this one. 
And hold, hold on, wait, wait, hold on a second. The, he just tweeted a part two to that question. Similar to how a hurricane or a pandemic may, unfortunately, wipe out nature, towns, and people, but followed by a new life emerging, and usually a stronger, better version than the one before the tragedy. Can you read part one one more time for me? I sure can. Thank you. And thank you, Mr. Cam Ray, uh, for this question. Uh, this is happening right now as we speak, um, the uh, power of live Twitter feeds. So he asks, did the Force use Sidious as a catalyst to purge the Jedi, who had drifted from the pure peacekeepers that they were, which in turn purged the Sith, resulting in a fresh start? I don't think the Force works that way. I don't. I think if the Force could find a peaceful way to do this, it would have done that. I don't think it would have used a dark side user as its method uh, to seek balance or whatever. And, and let's not just forget, uh, yes, thousands of Jedi died in Order 66, but think about how many, I don't know how many zeros it would have been, how many died in the Clone Wars. And I don't think that's the way the Force as a universal, you know, power. I don't think that's how that operates. Uh, I think, you know, and yeah, this free will and predestiny, you know, we're going to talk about that. We have talked about it. We will. Uh, No, I, no, I don't think the force would have used him. I think Sidious himself is a, he's an aberration, right? Uh, He's, he's against the natural order of things. Uh, He manipulated the, the council. He manipulated the Senate. He manipulated everything. He's going against nature. I don't think it was the will of the force for Palpatine to, you know, manipulate Anakin and uh, cause the destruction of the Jedi order. What did Yoda say? Uh, The force surrounds us. Life makes it grow. It's energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings, though, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you, here, between you. The force is not going to say like, well, you know, we're a little out of balance here, so let's kill trillions of people, destroy a couple planets, uh, just so we can balance things out. Like, no, that's not that's not how the force works. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I you know, if George Lucas comes in, he's like, actually, yeah, that's exactly it. like fine, whatever, George, <laughs> it's your it's your universe. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, no, absolutely not. The force did not destroy trillions of lives uh, just to um, balance out a couple of extra Jedi versus Sith at that. That doesn't make sense to me. And, and that's a, it's a very dangerous line of thinking because then anybody can, you know, put their own spin on, on the will of the force. You know, like we see in the, in the real world, people can say, Oh, hurricanes were brought for this reason. Sure. Uh, or tornadoes wiped out this city because they're guilty of this thing. It, it's a very dangerous path to go down to say that, you know, you understand the will of this universal power more than somebody else. So I think it's a very uh, dangerous territory there. That's not how the force works. This is Sentry Mode. Okay. All right. What attack pattern did Rogue Squadron use on Hoth? Delta. So easy. All right. You're warmed up now. <laughs> Who tried to sell Obi-Wan death sticks in a Coruscant nightclub? I don't, I don't know the guy's name. That uh, spiky-haired uh, 
Yeah, the spiky dude, guy. dude, yeah. And the, wasn't he? He's he was an Andorian. Oh, that's Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't have blue skin. Skip. All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna come back to that one. See if you can remember his name. I'm, I can see you, so I can see if you're googling. All right. <laughs> At the beginning of Return of the Jedi, who was in charge of completing the construction of the second Death Star? Oh, uh, Moff Jarjarard. One hundred percent correct. Wow. What's his first name? I'm just kidding. I'm well done. <laughs> all right. Because we all love The Last Jedi as one of our top three uh, Star Wars movies. Watch your language. And maybe, and, and maybe, really? What <laughs> of animals are raced on Fathers. Fathers. Next. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew you love The Last Jedi. <laughs> F- fucking space horses. <laughs> Who was charged with wiping C-3PO's memory at the end of Revenge of the Sith? Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Oh, oh. Uh, Captain Antilles. Yeah. Captain Antilles. Leaving only one question. Who tried to sell Obi-Wan death sticks in a Coruscant nightclub? <laughs> I, don't, I have no clue what that guy's name was. Jamal. He's got one of the, Jamal. You're close. You're <laughs> <It's> close. racist. <laughs> he's, he's got one of the stupidest names. And you're probably gonna you're probably gonna slap yourself when you when I read it to you. Elon Sleesbag Gano. Oh yeah, that's right. His middle name is Sleesbag. No, that's his his whole last name is Sleesbagano. Sleesbagano. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah Elon Sleesbagano. All right, I got one for you guys. Uh, what was the owner of the diner from uh, that Obi Wan went to to find out about Django's? Uh, oh come on, that's too easy for for Brad. That was my old podcast. Was Dex's Diner? Dex's Diner. There you go. <laughs> uh, what was his full name? I'll, I'll come back. Dex. I don't know. It was Dex. Dexter. No, that's all. Obi Obi Wan said. De- Dexter Jester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dexter Jester. Oh man. This is Sentry Mode. If you want more Star Wars trivia, check out sporkle.com slash games slash subcategory slash Star Wars. That's S-P-O-R-C-L-E dot com. Thank you, Scarif Control, and may the Force be with you. This is a quote from Qui-Gon Jinn, Jedi and- Master. And by the way, uh, uh, you didn't know that this is going to be this is going to be your new audition tape. So go for it. Yikes! I, <laughs> I got to do Liam Neeson. I'm not good at impressions, man. <laughs> All right. It matters which side we choose, even if there will be never be more light than darkness, even if there can be no more joy in the galaxy than there is pain. For every action we undertake, for every word we speak. For every life we touch, it matters. I don't turn towards the light because it means someday I'll win some sort of cosmic game. I turn towards it because it is the light. And that's the scuttlebutt. That was a terrible Irish accent. (laughs) (laughs) 
Brad, what did uh, what did that quote mean to you? You put it in the show notes. Brad's crying. No. <laughs> <laughs> did we lose him? Sorry, oh, mute button. How about mute button? There we go. I think it sums up their their way of thinking. You know, it, it. You know, why do you do what you do? Don't do it for all these external reasons. You know, do what you're going to do for the right reason, just because it is the right thing to do. You know, it doesn't matter what the Jedi Order is supposed to do. What are you supposed to do as a decent human being? And I think that's what he's trying to say. What he's trying to encapsulate in that quote. Yeah, well said. You know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned here regarding uh, choice and motivation. And um, it's uh, part of why we love this franchise. We get to learn a lot of things through these fictional characters and uh, get to talk about it and dis- dissect it um, even 42 plus years after the original story. So thank you, Star Wars. And once again, Alex, cap it off with a little Star Wars beatbox. (laughs) There you go. Nice. (laughs) And that's the scuttlebutt.